Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Mark Thompson. Get woke. God bless you. Get woke. Folks, MIP is now COVID free, meaning free to all subscribers as we navigate this pandemic. We're thinking about everyone and we've got to get through this together. So for a limited time, no fee to subscribe to make it plain on your favorite podcast app. it's Thursday you know what that means he really needs no introduction he's been with us every Thursday for a decade 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 we're getting old Mark we've aged together on on this show but it's a lot of fun uh and we talk about all things political I know all of you enjoy it as well so he's back with us for Thursday Coast the founder of Daily Coast Marcos Melissa's how are you buddy I'm doing great. How are you doing, Mark? I'm good. I'm good. I, I think good. we live in like the two bubbles in this country that are pretty quiet on the COVID front. I think it's the Bay yeah. Area and New York, New Jersey, Connecticut. I think those are the only places that people have been careful and mindful and respectful and considerate. And we're sort of the safe zones because the rest of the country is ugly out there. I hope everybody's staying safe. All of my friends who were worried about me and even a couple suggested I evacuate the epicenter when things first got going. Yeah. Now I'm asking if they can come stay with me <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> in New York. So it's, 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 it's crazier and, and it's, it's, it's getting more crazy. Um, but yeah, and, and you're, in, you're in, good, in a good place for now. Um, I know. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, LA, a, Southern California is a disaster. They're making California look pretty bad. But where we're at here in... in the Bay Area, 
um, cases are rising, but it's from a very low base and uh, we've never opened up. Like this place has been buttoned down tight from the, before anybody else was, and it matters. It matters. Bars, I mean, what were bars doing opening? I mean, I still can't understand the idea that bars needed to open. And I think that's made a mess of the whole country. Well, you know what's going on here in terms of the open sidewalk restaurants. That's, those numbers are down too. You know why, don't you? Have you heard? No. So New York, there are, I think there are like two rats for every human being in New York. Okay. 8 million people, 16 million rats. And yeah. the restaurants have been closed. So people are now, they tried to just experiment, open up the restaurants, but have people sit outside in the heat, little sidewalk cafe. It's very nice. But the rats are attacking the patrons because they've had no food. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so people are like, hmm, I think I'll pass on going out to eat the restaurant and get something. <laughs> so we still have social distancing. You see a restaurant, you might see one or two people sitting out there, and then the rats are, you know, getting ready to pounce. They walk, <laughs> you know, these rats here are bold anyway. So we'll, yeah. you know, we, these restaurants are still not going to be wide open for a while because of these rats, so. That's what we're dealing with. <laughs> I, I guess that's a silver lining. <laughs> right, right, right. Get where you can. Right, right. So you, um, early on, advocated that Elizabeth Warren uh, should be on the ticket. But you are, you've changed your thinking on this. Yes, yes. And um, Mark, you know, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a Warren partisan through and through. I think she would have been the best presidential candidate I think she would be on the um, on the uh, governance front, on the competence front. I don't think there's anybody else in the country that has set herself up as um, as effectively as Warren. I mean, there's plan after plan after plan, and Biden's actually adopted a bunch of them. And before this is all said and done, I'm sure he'll adopt some more of them. So she, I think, is, has made the best case to either be president or if something happens to Joe Biden now that he's our nominee, uh, that she be second in line, undoubtedly. That said, I am, as I hope I've, I've established over the years of even talking and my writing, I am a extreme pragmatist. And yeah. my goal in November is to win. And I'm not talking Joe Biden. Joe Biden's going to win. It don't matter who his VP nominee is. He's, he's going to win at this point. I know, knock on wood, don't, uh, don't get complacent, blah, 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 right? But I know liberals even hate the, the idea, like, to say we're winning, right? But we're winning, and we're winning big time, and there's nothing in Donald Trump's personality or record to suggest he can do the kind of change that he needs to do to turn things around. But here's the thing, Joe Biden is winning right now by so much that suddenly we have states like, we have Senate seats in states like Alaska and Montana and South Carolina and Kansas that are suddenly in play. And they are in play because, I mean, we'll still need ticket splitters in most of those states. And I don't, I don't expect Biden to win Alaska, Montana, South Carolina, or Texas, or Kansas, but if the Senate candidate has to, you know, only needs to overcome 10% of the vote, you know, to, to win the Senate seat, that's better than 20%, right? Trump won a lot of those states by 20, 25, 30 points last time. If he only wins them by 10, 15 points, we have a real shot down the ballot. So 
Now, what we're seeing right now is that Trump is flailing. The whole Republican Party is flailing. They don't know what to do with a white guy at the top of the ticket. And Mark, we talked about this during the primary. I was a Warren partisan. Uh, I also like, you know, Harris was my number two, Kamala Harris. And black voters decided to go with a white guy. And I was like, ah, oh, like this is a historic opportunity to really b break some ceilings and, and, and move history forward. And black voters like, no, nah, we're going to play this one safe. This is a little too important. We're going to play it safe. And whether I agreed with that, with the strategy, it has worked phenomenally well. They accomplished what they did. Donald Trump doesn't just not know how to attack Joe Biden. Oh, he's sleepy. He's creepy. He's like, he, he doesn't know what to say about Joe Biden. So not, now it's like he's cognitive decline, right? Like Donald Trump is going to make it. Um, Hunter Biden didn't work. Not only can he not make the case, but he doesn't have that visceral hatred for Joe Biden. Like he can't even bring himself the way he does when he talks about Pocahontas, right? Or he talks about any black athletes or when he talks about Kamala Harris, right? There's that visceral hatred that just, it's this, you know, racism, sexism that really invigorates him and I think by extension, it invigorates his supporters. So that said, Republicans, you know, they're flailing. Donald Trump is sort of, he's, he's morose. He doesn't know what to do. Why give him a boost in the arm by picking Pocahontas as, his, as Joe Biden's VP? I mean, this is the bottom line. And, and I don't think it would cost Joe Biden the presidency. But again, I'm not looking at the presidency anymore. I'm looking at how many Senate seats we can pick up, how many House seats we can pick up, how many state legislative chambers we can pick up. And by keeping Republicans as uh, sort of demoralized as they are now is, I think, a big part of keeping those presidential margins pretty wide, which gives us our, our down ballot red state Democrats or red district Democrats a better chance to win. So now I look at who can we pick. I really do think at this point, uh, a black woman is, is, uh, is right for the moment. There's a lot of great black women to choose from. But again, I don't want to mobilize, motivate Republicans and Donald Trump, right? So, uh, but I still want the ideological compatibility. I think it needs to send a message to the base that, that Joe Biden is listening to the left. And so I look at California representative Karen Bass and I think she is freaking perfect because ideologically she's fantastic as a human being and as an intellect, she's all there. And Donald Trump doesn't know who she is. So he, he's not gonna know what to do with it. And in the end, he's not gonna do anything with it because he is, she's gonna be flailing. So pick somebody that's amazing like Karen Bass, but that he doesn't know who it is. And the focus will remain on Donald Trump, not on the Democratic ticket. And right now we've seen that Joe Biden staying out of the public limelight has been the most amazing campaign strategy perhaps in campaign history. That's impolite. You can't keep saying that. <laughs> I'm going to keep saying it because it works. And they know it works. That's why you don't see him out and about. Um, but yeah, why give Donald Trump a reason to get excited? Yeah. Karen Bass would be difficult to attack is, 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 is I think also what you're saying because there's nothing 
that he can really say about her. Like, there's nothing, he hasn't been able to land a punch on Joe Biden, really. You know, whereas, unfortunately, some of the punches he's been able to land on Elizabeth Warren, um, you know, as, as racist as they are, they're still landed punches if this was a, a judge's scorecard. It so incites the racist base, right? So right. it incites. Yeah. And and you other than Karen just being a black woman, that's the only incitement. But I mean, what's he gonna say about her? What's he gonna call her? They'd have to yeah. go and try to dig and come up with something. And there's really nothing there. No, and we're talking, I mean, she's liberal, right? That, she's the ultra left. She's one of the, she's like the squad. I mean, they'll, they'll come up with some BS, but none of it's going to land. The worst they'll do is California. Oh, she's Hollywood. California. You know. Yeah, and, and there's only, what, three months left? Yeah, so I mean, you they, they don't have you know enough time to build a case. And, and she doesn't have the, the baggage that, that maybe a Harris does or a Val Demings does by having worked in law enforcement. And again, in the moment, do we want to give Russian trolls and bots a chance to sort of incite more division in the black community and just liberals in general, right? Right. So since you're bringing this up, um, I think that's really important to think about. And, and of course, folks, what Marcos is talking about is not inciting the base. I'll tell you what concerns me. I am hearing more chatter and more serious conversation about Susan Rice. And to your argument, I think that's very dangerous because you, you put Benghazi right mm. back in front. I mean, that's what she's known for. Yeah. And I've been talking to people like, well, why would they even consider this? Like, I don't know. I mean, so again, Elizabeth has qualifications. She's able. Uh, Kamala has qualifications. She's able. Susan has qualifications. She's able. Amazing. But, but they they can roll out of bed with the Benghazi argument. They don't have to try to figure that out. They'd have to pay and bring in, you know, a whole nother consultant class to figure out what to do with Karen Bass. Yeah. And that's yeah, going to be, she's like the squad. Yeah. I mean, that's going to be the basic argument. She's AOC, whatever. Right. And it just, it's, it's, just not a very exciting argument for them to make. And I bet you they just give up on it. They don't even try it because it's just not worth their while to focus on that when really people are working, you know, electing Joe Biden. And, and um, the other piece I think that, that, that has totally changed my thinking is that one of my big arguments for, for Elizabeth Warren was this idea that, Donald, uh, that Joe Biden had to unite the base, right? We didn't want to repeat the mistakes of 2016 by, uh, by picking somebody that was good for governance, but did nothing to actually mobilize and unite the party. And so at the beginning of the, of the general election cycle, there was this argument that we need, to, we need to make sure that Warren and Bernie Sanders supporters are excited about the ticket and back in the fold. I don't, I don't think anybody's worried about uniting the base right now. <laughs> I think Donald Trump, all by his lonesome stuff, has united the base. And if, if Biden picks uh, Elizabeth Warren, it would be the same argument that, that uh, Hillary Clinton made in picking Tim Kaine, ironically. Ironically, the argument would be she'd be the best position to take over if something happened to me. It would be an argument over good governance, good government. And those are all great. And I would be excited if he picked Warren, don't get me wrong. Um, but again, at this point, 
the question shouldn't be who's the best person to take over if something happens to Joe Biden. It's who's the best person that will help us win the most seats up and down the ballot. Yeah, right. And to win some of those, those seven seats. Yeah. Yeah. But in some of your writing, Marcos, you've kind of suggested that Trump isn't, whoever Joe Biden picks, Trump is not doing anything to help his own campaign at all. Like, he's, he's, I mean, he's flailing, yes, but it's really down to the point of, of incompetence. And it's really, is it even a campaign? No, there's, there's, well, the way I phrase it is he's, he doesn't really want, he's not doing what he needs to do to win, which makes me wonder, does he even really want to win at this point? And let's not, let, you know, he stumbled into everything that's considered success in his entire life, right? He was born to the right family and he was gifted the right amount of money. And he got lawyers to threaten people who, who would call him on his failures and bankruptcy law was his best friend, failure after failure. And he lost both debates, but, it, you know, in 2016, all three debates against Hillary Clinton, two debates, it didn't matter, right? It didn't matter because he just stumbled into, in, up and up into success. And so finally, he's at a place where it, his stumbling doesn't seem to be helping him. In fact, it's killed 140,000 people and then another 30,000 are going to die this month. So he has done nothing there's been nothing in his life history that has prepared him for course correction to say okay i gotta do something different like this isn't working and one of his biggest line items in his campaign budget is lawyers he's suing cnn because they they published a poll he doesn't like and he's suing this journalist because he criticized something else he said and that isn't the way you're gonna win a presidential campaign his lawyers aren't gonna bail him out and so does he really want to do what he needs to do? And, and uh, some may argue that him saying, okay, wear a mask, uh, what was that, Monday or Tuesday, him saying, oh, wear a mask, grudgingly, begrudgingly, that's a course of correction. You think he's gonna keep it up? He's not gonna keep that up. He, he, he just can't possibly keep it up. And, and you know, from one moment, one second, he's like, when he's reading his prepared remarks, he's like, things are gonna get worse. And the second he's off his prepared remarks, like this thing's gonna go away. Like he can't, I, mean, it, I guess it was a monumental feat of success for them to get him to actually read a prepared statement. So I guess maybe there's that, but he, he can't, he can't hold it together. He just, he just won't hold it together. And things are going to get worse for him because here in September, um, Republicans are going to start breaking with him publicly. Like they're not going to have a choice. I mean, they're, they're, they're falling everywhere. I mean, in our polling, it's, it's, uh, I mean, Democrats have an outside chance of picking up a net 10 or 11 seats in the Senate. I mean, it's that bleak for the Republican Party right now. And outside chance. I'm not, not a prediction. Outside chance. Outside chance. The way trends are going. So these Republicans are going to have to break from Trump. And so you're going to have war inside the Republican Party because, you know, Trump's not going to take any of that lightly or, 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 you know, sitting down. He's never has in his entire life. So he doesn't really seem to be doing what he needs to do to win. He's, he's more concerned about, about uh, what did somebody call it, uh, um, that, I, that I liked, um, fan service. You know how <laughs> TV shows do fan service, right? Uh, by slipping in little Easter eggs or whatever to, to make fans happy. Like it, he's all about fan service. It's keeping his crazy base cheering and which even now is hard for him because he can't have his big rallies anymore. And um, 
he's not thinking, how do I win back suburban white women? I mean, they're the biggest danger to not just him, but the entire Republican Party. Uh, and they're collapsing uh, because, because, uh, because of Donald Trump. And he, he can't. I mean, there's nothing in his history that says he'll course correct. And so I'm not particularly worried about him doing the things he needs to do to change course correction. That's why it's sort of like, okay, I'm not worried about the presidential election. The numbers are gaudy. Now we've seen, you know, some of these polls that show by up 12, 15 points. I don't buy that. And we definitely at Civics, we're not, we, we see it around an eight, nine point lead, which still is massive, but it's not as gaudy as, as 15. But that said, um, I mean, he's losing and he's losing by a lot. It's not even close. And, you know, we just found out a couple of days ago that he, his second biggest expenditures in ad money is Ohio. And Ohio is like the eighth or ninth uh, Trump state that will flip to Biden. I mean, it's a state that, that Trump won by nine. I mean, if, if there's no scenario in the world where Biden wins Ohio and loses Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin, it's just not going to happen. So it doesn't even make sense how he's spending his money. And it shows me an organization that's sort of flailing. Maybe Trump sees a poll in Ohio that he doesn't like and he's freaking out when he should really be freaking out about the macro picture. And the reason he's even in danger of losing Ohio is because nationally he's down anywhere between, I guess, eight and 15 points, depending on if you want to believe civics or you want to believe ABC news. Um, but um, that's why he's losing Ohio and, and spending money in Ohio is not going to save his presidency. He can, he can pull out a victory in Ohio. He's still going to lose by, you know, 300 plus electoral votes. I mean, that's the, that's the place he's in right now. And when you have states like Montana and Alaska, are 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 even right now they're even um that shows you a map that's really sort of collapsing could ohio be what's that old saying that a republican has never won the white house without ohio isn't that a a thing that people yeah but it used to they used to say that a president had never won without winning missouri missouri used to be the ultimate bellwether things change and uh, but I mean, but he would know that, so he's heard that old saying. Right, right, maybe. stupid. Anyway, yes, yes, Ohio. Yes. Uh, let's do it. How in, how significant is it that that John Kasich has endorsed Biden and now is actually going to be speaking at the convention? And how do you feel? Yeah. I don't. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. I mean, I I think it's great as long as you don't have to actually give him any concessions. John Kasich was the last Republican governor of Ohio. He ran for president and in 2016 and obviously lost to Donald Trump in the primary. He, he I think he ran again this year uh, and obviously they didn't get anywhere. So he's been part of that never Trumper um, group. But you know what he's what he's good at is it sort of he sends a signal at, to other Republicans that are wavering that it is safe to uh, to abandon Trump and the rest of the Republican Party at the moment. I would not give him a single concession. I don't trust the Lincoln Project, you know, those guys, those Republicans, Good. never Trumpers. Uh, you don't trust them? No, I don't trust them. I mean, they're, they're Republican, they're helping us out this time, but they're collecting names of Democratic donors and what are they gonna do with that in two, four years? I mean, there's nothing stopping them from turning around and suddenly backing moderate Republicans using our, this donor list. Um, 
So mm. it's great that they're doing it. We don't need them. But okay, great. Like, you know, I'll take their help as long as it's Republican funding it. That would be great. I don't think any Democrats or liberals should be sending them, sending them a dime. But um, so Casey sort of sent that message that it's, it's safe. That, you know, Biden may be talking about, oh, this crazy Trump, you know, Biden is beholden to the liberals. That's his new one, I guess, that 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 the squad is going to control Joe Biden. And then they have, like, boring old John Kasich, Republican governor, come out and say, nah, Biden is, is better. Uh, so it's a signal. And, and all throughout the Trump presidency, his support amongst Republicans has been sky high. Now, there's been a phenomenon like suburban white women that have left the Republican Party and called themselves independents. And so there is erosion in that Republican base. But if you look at Republican polling, you know, ask a Republican, do you support Trump? They say yes, because if you don't, you sort of left the party. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, so it sort of it hides the suburban white women defections. But what we're seeing now in civics polling is that Trump had, he was at 92 supporting 6% of Republicans um, disapproving of Trump after impeachment, 92-6. And when I looked uh, yesterday, I haven't looked this morning, but when I looked yesterday, it was down to 89 approve and 10% disapprove or 11% disapprove. And it doesn't seem like a lot, right? Oh, from 92 to 89 but we're talking, we're, again, we're talking about these defections in states that, that Trump, is, you know, Trump may win South Carolina by eight to 10 points. He won it by, I think, 20 points, 15, 20 points in 2016. I think Biden gets it down to about five to 10 points this time. For Jamie Harrison to win, he needs to get some of those, uh, some of those uh, potential Trump voters to, or just to get Republicans, it's a Republican state, to not vote for Trump, or if they vote for Trump, to vote for him instead of Lindsey Graham, right? So it, any erosion from that Republican base, you may say it's only three points. Well, that's three points easier for Jamie Harrison. He doesn't need to overcome eight points. He needs to overcome five points. And yes, it's still hard, but it's easier. And we're seeing it's being driven almost entirely by the coronavirus pandemic response. And that's why Donald Trump suddenly is like, it's patriotic to wear masks after 140,000 people have died because I said it was anti-freedom to wear masks, right? I mean, this is, this is their panic now. They're seeing this, Republicans are screaming at him that he needs to do things differently. Of course, he goes up there without a mask. Um, and he could have done theater. He could have walked in with a mask and then taken it off, you know, and then put it back on. Like there's things he could have done to like impress, but he won't do those things because he's Donald Trump. But this is real, it's happening. There's erosion in Republicans. And so for a Kasich to come up and there's supposedly there's more, there's two or three more that they're saying high profile Republican uh, defections. And if they want to get George Bush up there, get George Bush up there. I'd be like, you know, I'm pragmatic. Don't give him concessions. <laughs> but if he wants to say, you know what, Joe Biden and the Democrats are better this election than Donald Trump and the Republicans that enabled them, then I'll take it. I think they got George Will the other night, too. Yeah, well, George Will. Who said he's never voted for a Democrat. Yeah, no, he's been saying vote against Republicans all the way down the ballot. I mean, he went out and said, like, everybody who has enabled him, it's a rotten party, it's broken, it needs to be rebuilt. 
I think he just officially announced that he's going to vote for Biden. Though, wow. Which is, yeah. which is significant. Um, maybe, and, and maybe the flailing, what if the flailing isn't flailing? He knows how he won before. So that might be a signal to us not to let our guard down. In other words, he knows how he's going to win this time. He got help before. Maybe he knows that help is on its way again. And by help, I mean yeah. from Russia. Because you're right, so, looking at him, it's like, what are you doing? This is, not, this is not even campaign 101, what you're doing. It's just, you know, it's... Right. Every morning he shoots himself in the face. Yeah. How, can I, how can I lose some more votes today? And his, his numbers are eroding. And, and again, it's one point every month, right? But if he's down another two, three points, again, this, this makes South Carolina a real chance to get Texas and those Senate seats in those states. That's what I want to keep impressing. It's not about Joe Biden winning anymore. I don't think we have to worry about Joe Biden winning. Now, the big, one of the big things he had for help, that's a really good idea, it's just different this time. In 2016, the election machinery in every single one of the seven core um, battleground states were run by Republicans. That's Arizona, Florida, Georgia, Michigan, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin. There are more battleground states now, but those are the seven that will decide the election. If you went out, if Biden wins Iowa, or if he wins um, uh, Ohio or Iowa, then you know Biden's already won. He doesn't need those states. If Trump wins Minnesota or Nevada, Trump's already won because of those seven states, right? So in 2016, the election machinery in all seven of those states were controlled by Republicans and they used it to marginalize and, uh, and, and, uh, and um, what's the word, um, suppress, suppress our vote. That's right. Today, Democrats control the election machinery in five of those seven states. The only two that, Democrat, that Republicans keep in control are Florida and Georgia. And Georgia's like number seven in that list. Georgia's gonna be the last of, that, of those seven states to, to flip uh, Joe Biden. So, um, and they use that election machinery in Georgia, remember, to, to suppress the vote and keep Stacey Abrams from winning the governorship two years ago. So it's, it's powerful, we can't underestimate it. But they can no longer do that in Wisconsin. Michigan, Pennsylvania, Arizona, or, uh, or uh, North Carolina. Those election machineries. And we just found out Tuesday that in Charlottesville, they're gonna open up all the stadiums, all the big stadiums. We're talking the, the arenas for early voting. None of this like little, you know, one spot early voting uh, in the middle somewhere. Like they're gonna make the whole stadium one massive voting, early voting operation. People can go in and out easily. And in, uh, Wisconsin, this is a big one. In Wisconsin, uh, Democrats tried to pass a law that would have sent a ballot to every registered uh, voter. And the Republican legislature said no, they blocked it. So what happened is that now the two biggest Democratic counties, Milwaukee and Dane, and I think also uh, uh, another, the third biggest Democratic county, they are going to mail those ballots, mail ballots automatically in their county. And all these Republican counties are not because they're too stupid to 
not first to, to make it statewide, and two, Donald Trump's railing against mail voting. So the number of people, Republicans, who say they're going to vote by mail is way down because now suddenly it's, you know, Donald Trump, it's unpatriotic. And the, you know, Republican legislature can't do anything about it because we have the Secretary of State office and we have the governor in, in, in Wisconsin. So these races that we've been fighting all throughout the, the decade, they matter. And that's what we kept saying to people. Everybody wants to obsess about the presidential and to the credit of the progressive movement, we have been more focused on down ballot. But you know, Mark, you and I, we used to have these conversations 10 years ago, tearing our hair out because people would be obsessed with the presidential and not realize that those governorships and secretary of states and attorney general races actually mattered for presidential purposes. And now we control the voting machinery and the voting process, and they cannot suppress our votes. So what can they do? Russia can try to, you know, divide us in social media. I guess they can try to do that. Um, and, but they can't use the machinery of the elections outside of Florida and Georgia to, to, uh, to suppress it. And we don't need Florida and Georgia to win the election. Those other five states uh, do it well. And for the record, in polling, both public polling and in our own internal um, civics polling, Joe Biden is winning all seven of those core um, battleground states. And um, by, by enough, two, three points. I think Georgia is the closest we have it, and that's a two-point Biden lead, 48-46. You mentioned the Senate, too, but we are looking at even more House pickups, aren't we? Yeah, this is crazy because we won 40... 42 seats in uh, in 2018. And so usually when you bit, you know, when you have a big wave year like that, right, you win a lot of marginal districts that you have no business winning. You know, we won some districts that Trump won by 10 points. Right. And so you sort of expect that there would be some contraction. And so usually after a year like this, the Democrats um, would be on defense mode. Like, you know, we're not going to play offense. We're just going to like hunker down and defend what we have, uh, particularly since we have reapportionment coming up. And so the House districts, we still have them in 2000. Will we have them in 2012? Actually, I'm not sure because everything's being delayed by, uh, this, by the coronavirus, the pandemic and stuff. So I'm not sure if we'll have a new map in 2012. Uh, I would assume so. So uh, 2022, sorry. But that said, um, what we're finding is because the, the climate is so crappy and the Democratic gains in the suburbs are continuing. We're not done picking up new votes in the suburbs. That there's an out, there's a not a new outside. There's a good chance that we could pick up maybe another ten seats this year. Net pick up ten seats. Our incumbents are almost all safe, and we're seeing polls out of districts that again should not be competitive and are competitive. Uh, so again, this is where it's key. Um, you know, we have we have some of these. You know, Montana's a big one. Uh, you know, Alaska. Those house seats are both very single single district states, very competitive because the presidential election is competitive, right? I mean, if Biden, Trump are tied, then you don't again those house candidates don't need a lot to pick up. But we're seeing places like Kansas and Texas, and in uh, Missouri and Ohio, we're seeing places where we shouldn't really be competitive. But because Trump is running so poorly, that it's suppressing that that Republican vote throughout the entire state. And again, this goes back to my original point. This is why I'm now on team pick a VP that does nothing. <laughs> yeah.
<laughs> because we're in a good place right now. We don't want to give Republicans a reason to get motivated and excited. There's the coast, folks. Civics with a Q. Marcos Melissa's always a pleasure. So this is big news, folks. And Elizabeth Warren, partisan, advocating for the VP choice to be Karen Bass. Let us know your thoughts and comments, too, folks. Thank you, buddy, as always. Such a pleasure. Thanks so much. Great. Thank you. Thank you, man. God, you are our refuge. Send our ancestors to guard our doors. Cast out this virus from our communities and our bodies. Heal, bless, and protect everyone listening and their loved ones. Thank you for listening to Make It Plain and Get Woke. Remember to listen, like, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. If all minds are clear, it has been Made Plain. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.